Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Donald Klein? This case was the topic of a Netflix documentary titled Our Father. Donald Klein was born in the state of Indiana in 1937. He graduated from Indiana University with a bachelor's degree and then from the university's medical school. He completed his internship at a Methodist hospital and served in the Air Force for a few years. Donald Klein opened a fertility clinic in Indianapolis sometime around 1972. His clinic was extremely successful. He assisted a number of women with fertility issues. Donald was considered a hero to many people. During this time, Donald was also very active as far as his religious beliefs. He was an elder in his church. By all accounts, Donald was a respected member of the community. During the time when he was operating the clinic, Donald used his sperm to inseminate many of his patients. It is believed that he did this from around 1972 to around 1987, not the entire time that he was in business. He did not tell his patients what he was doing. They believed that the product was coming from medical residents and that no one donor would be used more than three times. Donald is the biological father of at least 94 children. Initially, nobody was aware of this, Donald operated his clinic until 2009, at which time he retired. In 2015, one of Donald's children used an at-home DNA test kit supplied from the website 23andMe. She wanted to see if she had any siblings. Initially, she found seven. Over time, more siblings were discovered due to her efforts and through DNA testing. Some of these people knew that they were donor-conceived. Others didn't have a clue. Regardless, nobody imagined that they had more than a few siblings out there. Over the next few years, even more siblings were discovered. They started communicating with one another and realized that Donald Klein was their father. Donald admitted that he was the father, but then declined to give a DNA sample. He said that the records were destroyed. In a not-so-subtle way, Donald made it clear that he did not want to be dragged into this whole situation. He was embarrassed and did not want his wife to find out. 
Donald eventually agreed to sit down with six of the half-siblings. They believed that he had a gun on his hip during the meeting. It sounds like it was poorly concealed under his shirt. They said he was emotionless, and he walked with a cane. Donald told them that there was nothing to worry about as far as his DNA, like he didn't have any serious illnesses that could have been passed on through his genetic contribution. Many of the siblings have developed autoimmune diseases, which makes sense given that they believe Donald had rheumatoid arthritis. Under the standards of his clinic when he was running it, he would not have been approved to be a sperm donor. Donald explained that he only used his sperm when no other donor was available. He was trying to help desperate mothers. He asked the children about their professions, I guess kind of like he was a proud father who wanted to see what his incredible DNA had facilitated. Donald's activity was reported to the Attorney General's office. Technically, Donald had not committed any crime, although in 2019 the law changed in Indiana because of this case. During the investigation, the Attorney General's office sent Donald a document to fill out, which asked questions about his activities. He was under no obligation to complete the document, and he should not have. It is the equivalent of talking to the police, which is never a good idea. Donald not only completed the document, he lied about his behavior. He said, quote, I can emphatically say that at no time did I ever use my own sample for insemination, unquote. He went on to say, quote, In fact, if this woman is saying or writing this, I believe she is guilty of slander and or libel, unquote. In 2016, Donald Klein was charged with two felony counts of obstruction of justice for lying on those documents. When his case went to court, there were only 22 known half-siblings. Donald accepted a plea deal where he pleaded guilty to both counts of obstruction of justice. He was fined $500 and sentenced to one year of probation. He lost his medical license in 2018, but he had been retired for nine years at that point. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Technically, the first successful insemination using donor sperm occurred in 1884, but the practice did not see any type of widespread use until the 1970s. There were not a large number of physicians providing those services, and there weren't a lot of regulations in that industry. According to the Netflix documentary, 44 physicians have been caught using their own sperm to inseminate patients. I imagine the actual number is much higher. In 1987, a survey was sent out to fertility physicians by the federal government. 2% of the physicians said they had used their own sperm. So these are just the people who are willing to admit to it. No doubt there were many more who did not admit to it. The fertility treatment industry in the 70s and 80s was shrouded in secrecy. Patients in these clinics did not typically advertise what they were doing. Records were often destroyed or never created in the first place. And the advice given by most of the physicians to the parents was not to reveal anything to the children. It was believed that if a child found out they were donor-conceived, it would be emotionally devastating and confusing. Many physicians thought it was better to simply be deceptive and to keep things simple from the child's point of view. Most of the physicians had no idea how technology would advance and make it easy for the children to find out what happened. Some of the physicians may have been aware of DNA research. They probably knew that someday a person could be identified by their DNA. 
but no one could have been able to predict the popularity of the internet and the rise of at-home DNA tests. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This brings me to item number two. Back in the 70s and the 80s, it was not illegal for a fertility physician to use their own sperm. Even these days, it's not illegal in most places. The practice was, however, always a breach of trust, and every provider knew that it was wrong. There were probably a small number of providers who engaged in the practice, not out of some grandiose narcissistic desire, but rather to be pragmatic. In the early days of the industry, it was very difficult to keep sperm viable long enough for insemination. Parents were understandably anxious to have successful results. There was a lot of pressure on the physicians to achieve fertilization. Perhaps a few physicians, in the heat of the moment, decided to donate their own sample. Some of those providers may have even told their patients what they were doing, in which case there may not have been a breach of ethics as long as the patient agreed. Most of the occasions, however, probably involves some type of narcissism. Which brings me to item number three. What motivated these fertility physicians to father children surreptitiously and unethically? There is no way to know what's happening in any specific case, but in general, I think this practice came about due to these physicians having pronounced narcissistic characteristics. Here's how I envision the scenario could have played out in some of these cases. This is just a theory an opinion about what could be happening. There is a physician who runs a clinic. He is offering a relatively new service. He is operating without any real supervision or oversight. He can do whatever he wants. He is getting a lot of patients coming into the clinic, and he notices that they really seem to value their privacy, even more so than patients would typically value it, like they're very concerned about people finding out. The provider happens to have a number of narcissistic characteristics. He is grandiose, envious, has fantasies of being powerful. He doesn't have empathy. Perhaps he's even a little bit condescending. These narcissistic characteristics do not worry his patients because they may expect him to be cold. In addition, many of the patients are desperate. They wouldn't care if he had the affect of the Terminator. In this case, maybe the Sperminator would be a more fitting character to reference. As the provider contemplates his line of work, he starts to become envious of these sperm donors. He asks himself, why should they get to father all these children? Why can't I be the father? He starts justifying his decision to use his own sperm by saying that the families will be better off. After all, he is a great man. They should be honored to have children using his contribution. Those children will go on to be great themselves and be joyous about his decision to use his own sample. 
in the event they ever find out. As the provider thinks about using his own sample, he gets excited. There's something thrilling about sneaking around. The patients are not going to know. It's his little secret. Here he is fathering all these children, and he's the only one that knows what's going on. That knowledge feels like power to him. In addition, there may be a sexual motive to the man's behavior. After all, in order to get the sample, he needs to pump the gas at the self-service island, so to speak. Over time, this becomes part of the physician's regular routine. It's a way he finds satisfaction. As the years go by, the man looks with pride on his work. He has been able to father many more children than the average man. His legacy, in the form of his DNA, will persist for many years. His narcissistic characteristics will be passed on through countless generations. In one sense, the provider is satisfied with his behavior remaining a secret, but in another sense, he would like to get credit for his achievements. He would like to see how people react when they realize what he's done. Item number four. One thing that occurs to me when looking at these types of cases is how the behavior of these physicians appears to have a parallel to cult leader behavior. It's almost like these providers were trying to start their own cult without anyone knowing. Not a traditional cult where people would look up to them and follow their bizarre belief system, but like an ultra-secret cult where the provider could be a hidden cult leader. Cult leaders are often men who tend to have sex with a number of their female followers. For example, David Koresh demanded that the women in his cult only had sex with him. They were not allowed to have sex with their husbands. Only David's genetic contribution could be passed on. The cult leader, Tony Alamo, had somewhere between 7 and 24 spiritual wives, many of them at the same time. Keith Raniere, from the Nexium cult, demanded that his female followers be on call 24 hours a day in case he wanted sex. Keith was actually arrested in Mexico while running a group sex session. Jim Edward Baker, otherwise known as Father Yod, from a cult called the Source Family, eventually accumulated 14 wives, although he was only ever legally married to one. The Quiverful Movement, which some people believe is a cult, promotes having as many children as possible. In the Netflix documentary, a few of Donald's children made it seem like he had a connection to Quiverful because they both used a reference to Jeremiah 1.5, which contains the phrase, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There is no evidence that Donald is connected to Quiverful. A lot of people use quotes from the Bible. One could argue that the Bible is the most quoted work in history. I think that narcissistic characteristics can explain the overlap between these fertility physicians and cult leaders, especially grandiosity and dominance. Item number five, what is going on in the case of Donald Klein? There's no way to know for sure, but here are some observations that people made about him. Donald was described as intelligent, confident, arrogant, and condescending. In his office, he was all business. He did not appear to have a great deal of empathy. In the documentary, Donald was represented as carrying a gun while talking to investigators. As I mentioned, when his children met with him, they reported he appeared to have a gun on his hip. A reporter who interviewed him in a restaurant said that Donald asked her if guns were allowed in the restaurant, like he was trying to let her know that he had a gun. This may have been a clumsy effort to intimidate people. 
to prove that he was willing to defend himself with force, it could be a sign of his desperation and lack of insight. Donald appeared to be conflicted about people finding out about his wrongdoing. On one side, he was concerned about his wife knowing what he did, he was embarrassed, and he threatened to sue a TV station that was investigating him. On the other side, he was curious about how all of his children performed in life, like their careers and accomplishments. His conflicted nature was also evident in the fact that he admitted what he did to some of his children, but then responded to the Attorney General's office with a denial. This is what ultimately led to his conviction. Donald attempted to justify his actions by saying he didn't believe he was fathering children, rather he was helping families who were devastated by their trouble conceiving. Now moving to my final thoughts. The motive for the type of wrongdoing featured in this case, I think, is relatively straightforward. There was no financial gain. Donald Klein actually lost money in civil suits, as did other physicians. There were no meaningful relationships established between the physicians and their children, at least not of which I'm aware. Rather, the motive is related to obtaining feelings of satisfaction, power, and control. Cases like this offer yet another reminder about the dangers of narcissism and how it can find its way into even the most trusted professions. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.